0: Modern Recordist, the podcast where we talk all about designing and living life as an extraordinary artistic visionary, discussing inspiring and creative ideas around making music and art that creates an impact in the world. On this podcast, we hang out with musicians, songwriters, artists, producers, and all manner of artistic visionaries to connect with them and gain insights that provoke our greatest creative breakthroughs. I'm your host, John Stinson, a Nashville-based producer, recording engineer, and mixing engineer, a collector of experiences, a lifelong learner, a lifelong teacher, and an artist in my own right. And I welcome you to another episode of The Modern Recordist. Heyo! Witches and werewolves. Heyo! To the honey badger. We've punched in on another episode of The Modern Recordist. It's a great day to listen to a podcast, am I right? And I'm glad that you've chosen to listen to this one. Because dude, there are so many podcasts out there now. There's so many good podcasts out there now. And uh, you know, the podcasting world has exploded, and it's showing no signs of slowing down, which is pretty awesome, I think. There's just so many ways to connect and create and share and build a career around making music and art and building a career out of any creative pursuit, and podcasting has become one of the big things now. And as an audio engineer, producer, and music maker, it just seems to fit like a glove as far as what I'm about and the kinds of things that inspire me. I've been listening to podcasts for quite some time now. I can remember a friend of mine who has always seemed to be a little bit more in the know about these types of things, telling me about, hey, there's this new thing called podcast where people create a kind of radio show, and then you can download that onto your iPod and listen. And that must have been somewhere around 2002 or 2003, I want to say. And then it was still some years later, like probably around 2007, before I actually took to it, and began actually listening to some podcasts. And then around 2014, another friend of mine told me that he had plans to start a podcast. And he was a big fan of Joe Rogan's podcast. And at that point, I hadn't really kept up with... There had been a few years that had gone by where I hadn't sort of kept up with listening to podcasts on a regular basis. But I decided to check out Joe's podcast... And then I began contemplating the idea of starting my own podcast. And then about a year and a half after that, I did. And we have this exact podcast that you're listening to now. And now everyone is listening to podcasts and it's awesome. And it's not just something that kind of nerdy guys like me do. And it's not some kind of obscure term that people don't get. Hey, what podcast do you listen to? Or, oh man, I was listening to this podcast the other day, and they were talking about this mind-blowing thing. That's become common conversation now. So the internet and online media and that whole world, that's all been something I've become very passionate about over the last 10 plus years, and I'm inspired by the openness and possibility that's there for a wider variety of people to create and build a name for themselves, particularly music makers. So I'm thrilled that podcasting is one of the big things now. And I'm thrilled that you've decided to spend a part of your day listening to this one. And not only that, but that so many of you have made it a point to reach out to me and let me know how much you're enjoying listening to The Modern Recordist. Whether that's through an Instagram comment or a message or a Facebook comment or message or an email or even coming up to me in person. Particularly this week, I've had a number of folks in my social circle personally tell me that they love listening to the show, which is awesome. Considering that just because you're in my social circle and you know me or you kind of know me or you know someone who knows me... That doesn't mean that you have to like this podcast, but you do, and that fires me up. So thanks to everyone who has reached out to let me know that they're getting something out of listening to The Modern Recordist. And this is a good moment for me to make sure that you know how important it is to let everyone know how much you're getting out of listening to this podcast. And here's the best way to do that. Drop in over at iTunes and leave a rating and review good and honest ratings and reviews communicate the value you're getting out of listening to the modern recordist. And it helps other potential listeners know that they should also be listening to this podcast. Further, it helps us know whether or not we're producing shows that you're not only enjoying, but that are leaving you with some valuable takeaways of some kind. And it also helps to convey to potential guests the benefits of making an appearance on this podcast. But we're not limited to just iTunes anymore. The Modern Recordist is now on Stitcher as well. And we're newer on Stitcher, so it would be particularly helpful to drop in there leave a rating and review, and let the rest of the Stitcher community know how much you're getting out of listening to this podcast. So fire up your podcast app of choice, search for The Modern Recordist, make sure you indeed tap that subscribe button, and please do leave a rating and review. And while we're talking about all this, there's one more important thing to note, and that is to head over to our all-new website that we launched in early October, you will find it at ModernRecordist.com. Head over there and enter your email into any of the forms you will find all over the site. This way we can keep you up on all the latest and greatest that has to do with the Modern Recordist. And this includes tipping you off to any key episodes that may be of particular interest to you, cluing you into recording techniques or songwriting tips or discussions on creativity and even giving you a heads up on some special things that we're aiming to put together in the near future. All right, this week our guest is someone that I first connected with not too terribly long ago and we've quickly become friends. I swung by the world-class studio that he manages here in Nashville The tracking room where we sat down in one of the pretty large ISO booths and recorded this episode while a vocal session was taking place in the main tracking space. Seriously, this place is world class. It's a premier recording studio that has been featured on the cover of many recording magazines as well as the place that many famous artists such as Shania Twain, Taylor Swift, U2, tons of others have all recorded It's a huge place with lots of history, and it is a rather spectacular place to hang out. If you've not seen pictures of the Tracking Room, just Google it. Fellow music makers, please welcome to the Modern Recordist, producer, engineer, and manager of the Tracking Room Recording Studio in Nashville, Tennessee, my friend, Matt Dude. Well um appreciate you taking some time out of your day to, to, to hang with me and, and be on the show and uh I mean, it's always good to get some time with you, man, and yeah. Be able to, it's be able been to talk. too long. Yeah. It's been way too well, long. Well, it's always yeah, I mean it, in and how it is when um you do what we do, you know, it's like kinda like what we were saying before we turn on the mics. You're just cramming in just a lot of a lot of stuff as much as you can and you know, because it's just the peaks and valleys of this kind of work, you know, so you just got to try to do your best to keep your calendar full. And it, it doesn't, it, it doesn't allow for oftentimes, you know, it's a struggle to create time to, to be able to get, to connect with people. So
1: yeah. yeah, for sure. Like I was at AES a couple of months ago out in New York Yeah, and you see, you run into all your Nashville friends Yeah, and you all, you always joke like, Hey, it's so funny that we have to travel, you know, 1500 miles. Yeah to To be able to hang out for a yeah. weekend or a couple of days, totally. so that's always uh, always really funny when totally. that kind of goes down. Yeah, but it's so true though, yeah. you know. Yeah, it's like unless there's a special event or we're working together, it's it's tough to find time. Yeah. But I think that's that's why we all gravitate towards this field because yeah. we end up getting to work with our friends and right. You know, you become really close to the people that you're working with on a regular basis. Yeah. So comes a lot of You fun. just lock
0: yourself up in the studio, man. You better you better enjoy who you're who you're hanging around oh, because yeah. hey, you know, you, you're you're living you're basically living together for for the duration <laughs> yeah. of the project or oh, whatever. Oh, for sure. Um so cool, man. AES, huh? You went up there? I I I didn't make it up there. I kind of wish that I had pretty good time, huh? Yeah,
1: man, always a great time. Yeah. You know, you've got a lot of the it's it's a wide variety of people that go up there. So you've got the people just starting out that are really excited about getting into engineering and then on the other end of the spectrum you've got living legends like Al Schmidt and Dave Pensado that usually yeah. make appearances and everyone's doing workshops and you know all the gear manufacturers are showing off their newest products yeah. or um and it's it's really great i think one of the things that surprised me the most the first AES that i went to is that you can go meet the guy that made your favorite compressor? Yeah, you know, like Dave Durr from Empirical Labs. He works the showroom floor. Yeah. So if you're like, hey, why did you do, why did you do the nuke setting on your distressor? Yeah, you can go ask him and he can right. tell you. Or uh, the other thing I found is that a lot of times those those guys really like feedback on their gear. So if you're yeah. like, hey, I, I thought maybe you should. Try to do, or did you ever consider doing this, or adding this feature, or or doing this? And, yeah, and I think a lot of times they really appreciate that feedback. Totally, as man. Well.
0: Oh yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's uh, anytime you you able to get like face to face direct feedback or like have a conversation like that with the people who are using it. You know what I mean? I think that's that's super valuable. So that's cool, man. How many have you 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 been up there a few times? And yeah, yeah. yeah. So
1: I've been every year since two thousand ten. Or two thousand yeah, two thousand ten. I the fall of two thousand ten was the first one I went to, out in San Francisco. Uh-huh. And uh, since then, they switch coasts every year, or they have okay. um, New York on odd years, and then uh, West Coast, which was it was San Francisco for a little while, and now it's back to L.A. Okay, but I've heard rumors that next year it's going to be in New York again because they did a joint convention with nab this year uh-huh. and so i think they to keep it consistent they're going to be back in new york next yeah. year so it's going to screw up all the, yeah. the great pattern that they've established right yeah yeah
0: man i need to have better planning this next year and just plan on going but yeah it sort of it snuck up on me I had a lot sort of crammed in and just couldn't make it up but you know it seems like a really good time and you know that and nam are kind of like the two the two uh big to dos for yeah. people like you and me. You know oh what I yeah. Mean? So
1: you know the one that uh that's gaining a lot of of ground. I feel like is Gear Fest up at Sweetwater. Okay. Up at Fort Wayne, okay, Indiana. So okay. I think I'm actually gonna try to go make a trip up there this summer. Cool. They usually do it like the last weekend in June or the second to last weekend, but it'll be a good time. And yeah. Then, like it'll be a crazy summer because you know you have you have. uh CMA Fest here in town, yeah, which is just always yeah. a crazy time. Yeah, and then I think that's a couple of weeks later, and then I presume they're doing Summer NAM again here. Yeah, so just Summer in Nashville. Is yeah, it'd be great, man. Yeah. It'd be awesome, filled yeah. with gear. You know? Yeah, it'd be awesome. Yeah.
0: I'm gonna try to make more appearances at that that stuff. The one thing that I did, um, that I that I, uh, I went to a couple of things in town. I didn't do much traveling this year, you know, but um, the two sort of. I guess conferences that I went to were less audio engineering and, and student production type stuff and more kind of like business and, and artist kind of stuff. So one, I went to that, uh, I think it's just called the Music Business Conference or mm-hmm. something like that. I don't know if you went to any of that. I went to that. It was all right. But then I was really impressed with the CD Baby DIY Musicians Conference came oh, wow. to Nashville. I think it was the first year they've ever come here. Okay. It's like the third year they've ever done it and then they came here. And um I you know, kinda didn't expect much but uh but I went to I was like, man, and I made a lot of great connections with like artists and stuff. And they just I I don't know, it was a the energy of the of the conference was awesome, so that's kind of the, the the two things. And I kinda went to the I went to some of the stuff around C M A fest and all that too, but uh, but yeah, man. Um, yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah, I'll have to I'm gonna be a little bit more intentional about making plans to get out there to all that other stuff this next year. But yeah, yeah
1: it's always a good time. To, yeah, to, I think to be able to geek know, out, networking you can never do enough of. Totally, I feel like it should be a main part of of your of your work you know yeah. you, you you practice mixing you practice engineering you practice your instrument yeah i feel like networking should be a small chunk of that as yeah well. or, or maybe even a large chunk of it you know what i mean you're probably like, right actually yeah
0: because like I, I i um i i do spend some time immersing myself in um different people who are sort of i guess more or less the top of their game in like whatever discipline they're in you know a lot of like athletics and and then sort of bigger name entrepreneurial types and stuff I find that uh, uh, there's a lot of information to garner from those types of people and how they've cultivated being at a high place of high performance and and you know kind of trying to take some of that information and, and use it but a lot of the people who are like uh, whether it be freelancers or whether it be some sort of you know there's Uh, a particular story I heard about an attorney comes to mind, but uh, anybody who's sort of an aspect of their work is to like have to hustle gigs and stuff. You know, um, a lot of those people who are at the top of the game are like, man, I focus, I focus like 90% of it on like cultivating uh, relationships with people and networking, all that kind of stuff and building like really good, legitimate relationships with people, friendships and all that stuff because people want to hire their friends. Kind of like what we just said at the beginning of the podcast, you better like who you're working the project with. You know what I mean? And that's the truth. I mean, people want to work with their friends, you know, and uh, and and I think doing whatever you can. It, the challenge is figuring out the puzzle of like, but I've got to be really, I've actually got to be good at the craft, you know? But being good at the craft alone, I don't think it's enough from what, from, you know, kind of, A my experience and B just exposing myself to other people in different fields who are high performers, you know? So that's I think the tricky thing is like at least what I come up against right now, and I don't know if you if you have any insight to this or if you've experienced something similar, is just the tricky puzzle I'm trying to solve is staying sharp and you know, developing my craft and but yet being connected and 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 continually forging new relationships, I find that particularly challenging for me because that's not. I'm not really an extroverted guy who goes out and tries to have a lot of friends. I'm just sort of a little bit more of a, a, a solitude kind of guy, you know.
1: Yeah, I think that's pretty common for creative types. You know, I think tr- traditionally, even if you're you're able to be social in a, in a setting, they, they tend to be more introspective mm-hmm. or even introverted in some, in some ways, maybe not, maybe not in a social setting, but a lot of creative types spend a lot of time in their own mind. Yeah, And, um, I, I tend to find that getting people to say yes can be the hardest, Yeah, one of the hardest goals that you can get. Yeah. So, you know, imagine trying to convince somebody, that you've never met before, like, Hey, I, I want you to spend X amount of dollars to right. let me produce your record or, yeah. or let me clean your gutters or whatever it yeah. is, you know? Yeah. yeah. I think, um, I think doing, doing that and getting people to, to be convinced by what you're selling them and not that it's a, you know, I'm a salesman and I'm, I've got a shtick to, sure. to yeah. put over you, but I think that's always <clears throat> one of the toughest things is to get people to to commit and say yes right and you know i think that goes back to like you said kind of fostering those relationships yeah. and and then i think um maintaining those relationships yeah. you know it's like reaching out to people that um you get a chance to to meet and then making sure that you're staying in touch with them even if yeah. it's a lonely text message once right. every two months or yeah an email once every three months you know right it's a good way just to stay in people's minds. Yeah, and, and the next sure. time they have a gig, you never know they might be like, "Oh yeah, John just hit me up. I'm gonna give him a call to yeah. to do this."
0: Totally, totally. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's just kind of figuring out ways to kind of like stay top of mind and all that with people. But do it on, coming by honestly. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, it's uh,
1: yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you don't want to you don't want to oversell or or exaggerate your abilities, but also. You don't want to come off as too eager, right? Either so it's, it's like an fine. opportunist
0: or something. Like, hey, man, you know, like a, only a fair weather friend or something yeah. like that. You know, oh, there's I mean? there's plenty of those yeah.
1: here, here in Nashville. But you know, luckily, luckily, I think most of the people that we work with and that end up lasting are usually pretty genuine. And I think most of the time, you know, people want to people just want to help others, and they they want someone else to succeed as much as they want to succeed themselves, and, right? and uh hopefully you know you get a chance to find and work with those people right like that's when i feel like the real the best music and the magic and yeah all those great relationships that's to me when it really all kinds of comes together
0: yeah yeah man you know and i've said this before is like in my experiences like i've I, i was just talking to somebody about this like last week or something but like um working on a, on a project, having an experience where you're working on a project that's like, man, this record is going to be a hit. It's going to sell at least 2 million, two million copies. It's going to get out there. My name's going to be on it. It's, you know, whatever. It's like it's like a thing that's like, it's good, legitimately good music and all that. And it's exciting to be a part of it. It's good for my career. But dude, I couldn't, I I, I cannot wait to get away from these people. You know what I mean? Versus, well, you know, this project is like, cool i i'm at least gonna be able to kind of like make some make my ends meet this month but you know in terms of like a real career building thing it's not let's be honest it's not that um the music's okay or whatever but dude the people are incredible i love these people and mm-hmm. give me the second one every time you know what i mean because it's just like that first one that first scenario where you're just like, dude, I just feel awful. Like I feel awful about myself. I'm just like, there's, you know what I mean? I don't know if you've had those experiences, but I was talking to somebody last week about that, you know? And it's just like, um, yeah, man, that's, it. it's truly at this point, you know, for me, I mean, uh, that's really what, what I want is to just find the people that I'm like, dude, I just feel good. I feel like, uh, I feel respected. I feel like I legitimately like these people. I enjoy being around them. You know, like if I had a if I if this is like every day of my life, great. You know, this is this is great. Versus feeling stressed out or like there's so much pressure here. And meanwhile, this guy is—I don't know
1: if I can trust him or whatever. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I um, I'm definitely the type where I either I either love you or I hate you. And yeah, I mean, I I respect everyone and treat everyone you'd never know it but for me it's it's really rare that I'm, someone's just kind of you know eh. yeah but usually it's like oh we're we're long lost friends or yeah. it's like man there's something really toxic about that person right that i just every time we're in the same room i just you know i, I kind of right. ball up or, or whatever yeah. it is and uh you <clears throat> you want to try in my opinion i try to stay away from those people right you know if i can help it and sometimes you can't like right. you said sometimes the, the job calls for you to suck up your pride and right. and get the job done right and, and you know be do the best job that you were hired to do. Yeah. And you know, unfortunately sometimes the the personalities can can clash and yeah. uh sometimes it creates great art though. You know, there's totally. so many oh, yeah. great examples of of that. But it's as you said though, it's it's much less fun um, when that happens, I've only actually had one experience in my entire career where there was a person that made me almost reconsider uh-huh. doing, uh, doing this. And it luckily yeah. was at the very start of my career Yeah. and it was before, you know, we were really in, in, at, at the big time. So it was yeah. people that really didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. But, um, there's, a, yeah, I've only had one experience that the, the person just made it so, so stressful and yeah. so um, so unfun. And and th- this is not a high-stress job. This is not a high-stress scenario. You know, we're making music. We're right, making it's supposed to be fun. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, you know, and there's, there's obviously work to be done, but at the end of the day, like, you know, if, if something bad happens, usually the worst that happens is you lose files or you lose money or a combination of those things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, here... Here at the tracking room, we do everything we can to to keep that from happening. Or in sure. my own work, I keep do everything I can from keep from keeping that from happening. But um, you know, some other jobs or other professions, it's like your worst day, like let's say you're a surgeon, your worst day is your patient yeah. dies on the right. operating table totally. or um you know, my father's an attorney, like his worst day is his client goes to jail because yeah. they lost their case. Or, okay. You know, so like our there's there's basically a scale of yeah. like what's the worst that could happen at your job, you know, stress wise. And ours in the music industry is yeah. not right. you know, not very high. Totally. So.
0: Like you're not gonna completely decimate the entire like Gulf coast of the United Southern United States because your oil well exploded and you couldn't figure out how to stop it for like whatever six months or whatever, you know? Yeah, and, for sure. Yeah. Like you're not going to destroy the entire Earth in like you know three months time or something or kill somebody. Yeah, it's good to keep that perspective, you know. And I think that, I think that's true. It's like some, I, you know, and just to not take yourself too seriously. And I, there isn't like a, there can be a lot of ego that flies around and all that kind of stuff. But figuring out mechanisms or, I mean, however maybe some people are good at, um, just sort of, you know. Having their check in their ego, you know. But if not, figuring out ways to sort of like externally uh, trigger you to to not take yourself so seriously. Because, dude, I mean, it's supposed to be fun, you know. Yeah. Making records, we're supposed to be having fun. We're making music. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it's just, uh... yeah, it's it's funny how that can seep into it. If you don't care, if you don't if you don't mind, without naming names, is there uh, with that situation? Is there is there um sort of like specifics around kind of what what was going on that caused that
1: yeah yeah uh so it was actually a a school project okay I was still in grad school at the time down at MTSU and you know a great program I had an awesome time there I'd, I'd highly recommend it to anybody that's you know already done their first degree in something else and have uh have a desire to go into their pro, into that program. I mean, it's it's super immersive, super hands on, and it's basically three years of throwing you in the studio and figure it out kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyways, this was like the first semester, and it was one of those projects where you have to go find an artist to record, yeah. and you know, you're put with a couple other people, and the the guy that was my partner was one of those kids that came from you know a pretty established program like like Belmont or or mm-hmm. even MTSU or somewhere a mm-hmm. uh, high highly regarded recording program and um he was one of those people that just thought he knew everything yeah. about everything really yeah. Yeah. and so it was one of those situations where you know we would myself and then one of the other guys were a little bit more musically inclined like i grew up playing bass and i grew okay. up playing piano and all these other instruments and so like where my expertise lies is is in the musical side of things yeah. and the arrangements and, right you know being able to hear what the right parts are and and everything and so uh going into that situation and and throwing in your expertise and then having that immediately rejected or changed behind your back or redone mm-hmm. without communication right. yeah and then um you know doing things like uh like when you're in the session. And, you know, delegating responsibilities, allowing the people that you're supposed to be working with, allowing them to do their jobs as opposed to taking it on all on yourself. Mm-hmm. So we uh, I've got this really great um, this really great image in my head because one of the towards the end of that project, myself and the other our other partner who I've actually become really good friends with in the in the meantime or since then, mm-hmm. um, you know, we at one point. Whenever we'd have a session, like I remember doing vocal overdubs and instead of like just coming prepared, we just both brought a six pack. Okay. And just sat back on the couch at uh this was done at his stu- at the at the this person's home studio because okay. we were out of studio time at, at school gotcha. and you know, we we weren't allowed to drink at school. So I yeah. wanna make sure that the, yeah, the podcast okay. knows that there's never <laughs> uh that yeah. there was never alcohol the, at yeah. MTSU. But um we were at his house, and instead of bringing, like, our notes and all this stuff, we just both went to the gas station and bought a six-pack of our favorite beer and just sat back on the couch and drank while while the he was running his show. Yeah. And so, um, you know, it, it was one of those scenarios where it's like, well, maybe I'm making the wrong decision if this is how everybody acts. And, gotcha. You know, so I had to go talk to a couple professors about it, and just, you know, not that I was... Not that I was snitching or telling on anybody or anything, but just wanted to make sure I wasn't that that wasn't the norm and that wasn't yeah. You didn't have any prior
0: sort of like experience, and so you just need some perspective to know is this what it's like?
1: Yeah, yeah. Because all the other projects I had done, you know, uh, the people that I'd worked with prior to going to school down there, you know, we always had great times, and it was kind of that scenario you mentioned where you know none of the projects were very high pressure they weren't really going to lead to anything mm-hmm. uh, except for maybe great learning experiences mm-hmm. and um those had all been very favorable very positive experiences but um it's it's not um surprising to me though that that, that person is no longer working in the mm-hmm. music industry mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and my other friend who I mentioned he is running one of those broadcast trucks that goes, to, oh yeah, cool, like he's yeah. in charge yeah. of the of the truck, awesome, to make sure that the sound for your favorite sporting event gets sent over the the airwaves, yeah in, in high def or yeah, kill four k or whatever we're yeah, at yeah, these kill days yeah. so um, I mean that's that's pretty telling, I think, in terms of you know, like you said, treating people the right way, and you know word gets out fast that if you're oh yeah if you're a dick like yeah. that that gets out really fast oh, totally and,
0: and especially in the community <clears throat> that we're in and in, in, in a nashville right it's a growing town but at the same time it's still a smaller town right but then within that the recording community of Nashville is very small and you know people will know and uh, yeah it makes me think of um makes me think of my own my own sort of somewhat similar situation that i had when i first started i haven't talk too much about, i don't think i've mentioned too much about this publicly before but you know 10 years ago or 10 plus years ago i was i was over at quad that's my first gig in town quad recording that's no longer around but when I, I i came in as an intern and um and at the time there was a guy who was a sort of a he was like an assistant engineer slash sort of house engineer guy on staff uh, there and he and he was like had been there um i think longer than m- pretty much anybody else mm-hmm. and um he's very good at like what he did it was very knowledgeable you know he's very knowledgeable it's literally like the kind of thing where if a piece of gear broke he could just take it apart tech it right on the spot and 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 get things kind of like going back again you know uh he knew he knew i think the, that that you mentioned before that ssl that you guys have in here that was uh
1: the same was one a, at quad, was at right? Quad, yeah, 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 yeah.
0: So this guy, he was, um he he knew that that SSL like you know forwards and backwards ten times over from what anything I could, I knew about it, you know, at the time. Um, but uh but he was a jerk. You know, and it was known around town that he was a jerk. And there were some people who, there was some clientele who would avoid the stu- booking time at Quad because they're like, you know. And there were some people who would book time at Quad, but specifically, please do not put this guy on my session. You know. And uh, and then you know later, sort of, uh, I think I, w- I interned there for like maybe a year, a little over a year or something. And 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 he ended up it ended up kind of being a, a somewhat dramatic day where he stormed out of the studio and quit his job you know right on the spot and everything it was it was it was kind of a, a sort of a explosion and then it it created it's like okay well you know the manager was like well um we need to fill his position you know so so then it started people started kind of moving up the ranks and I remember you know it ended up where I um ended up getting, you know, selected to be, uh, uh, have one of those positions, you know, go from intern to paid assistant. And I just remember in, at that time, some of these clients that had worked with him previously, you know, and I'm going, man, like, I don't know it, half the things he knows, you mm-hmm. know, but my big learning experience there was, and there were some other people who were, there was, I think there were like three, uh, people on staff, three assistants, sort of like house engineers on staff. And, um, I felt like some of the other guys knew more as, like, a technical engineer than I did. Um, And so I was always a little bit – I felt a little insecure about that, you know. But I remember um, time and again clients asking specifically for me to be on the session. And it was because I was a good hang because they liked my personality, because they liked that – like, I'm sure that these people knew. It was like, yeah, I mean – whatever you know i guess i was like 22 or something at the time it's like he's got a lot to learn but the thing but what i care about he embodies like i care about somebody who wants to be here who respects me who 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 cares about this project you know and is is here willing to provide that service and if he doesn't know everything about everything big deal somebody in this place does and we can get them to You know, if something's going wrong with a piece of gear, or he doesn't know how to work, whatever. Like, we can. There's people in here that can figure that out. What I need is somebody who's just got a good personality. So I figured that out. You know what I mean? And that was kind of my experience, a similar experience with that. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's um, that's very. I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but I I mean, I think what you're describing is honestly what I would prefer in an assistant or an intern Mm -hmm. or somebody. You know, I don't want somebody that comes in and already knows everything. That's that if you already know anything, then why are you asking for an internship or an assistant yeah. position? Go you know, go engineer the next multi platinum record. Yeah, yeah. Uh in my in my expertise or in my um best opinion, I can teach anybody audio that wants to learn audio. Mm-hmm. And I can teach them where to place the mic, I can teach them how to compress a vocal signal, I can teach them how to DI a base? I I can't teach somebody like the the give a shit meter, yeah, yeah, You know, I can't yeah, teach right, them yeah. their their um, wanting to be here after a fourteen hour day and then wanting to come back again the next day at at seven a.m. and getting started over again. Yeah, you know, I, you can't teach that kind of stuff, and you can't teach work ethic, and you can't teach those things. So, right. you know, I think it's so important that you know one as uh as industry uh I don't what to call us ourselves experts, but as industry workers or employees, you know, I think it's important that we identify those people and make sure that we lift them up and bring them up, you know, that they're the next group of people that are also, you know, one day will be in our position and Right and um I think that's really important for the health of the of the industry and, and for Nashville as a whole, you know, sure. to keep cranking out all the great music that they're doing but um you know being being present i think is a is a great i think just be present is a great kind of mantra for anyone trying to get into this industry you know my dad always had a great saying that showing up was just 90 percent of the battle right yeah and and i think that's pretty true i think yeah um, you know, our, our staff engineer here also worked at quad studios, yeah. mm-hmm. um, you know, Bryce, really talented guy, great engineer, but he was kind of, kind of that mantra, you know, he was the guy that was there, uh, late nights when they needed someone. If, if he had plans with friends and they'd call him and say, Hey, we really need someone to come fill in. You know, he dropped whatever he was doing because yeah. he wanted it that bad, Yeah. you know, and and that's why he's now working at arguably the nicest studio yeah. in Nashville yeah. is is because of that. You know, i I need to be there. They they need me. Right. If I really want to do this, like I've got to sacrifice some things, but it's going to pay off in the in the end. Or, yeah. Or later down the road.
0: Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So yeah, I mean it's very much a people business at the end of the day. I think I think any And I kind of think what we're circling around, really, is that like anybody—if you want to excel in whatever discipline you're in—but we're talking about, you know, obviously, recording, being in the studio, and making music. You want to excel in that? It's—it's really a people thing. You know what I mean? It's—it's just being a good person, and yeah, the like you said, the 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 give a shit, yeah, that factor,
1: yeah, that's it. I think it's a—it's a mixture of a lot of things, and. Um, I don't know if you've if you've been like this, but I'm always really intrigued and inspired by people that are an expert in something, mm-hmm. whether that's you know a chef that spent the last 15 years figuring out the best way to soufflé a casserole, yeah, or, yeah, or a golfer who's spent you know 30 years trying to figure out the perfect swing, right? Uh, there's something about that and that that drive to achieve excellence that i'm always drawn to totally but then the other side of it is well are they a nice person and are they very kind and yeah you know can i get along with them for a, a car ride up to chicago on a saturday afternoon right. you know yeah. so those those things i feel like it's it's a perfect marriage of those kind of you're an expert but you're a really good person and you're easy to spend time yeah
0: with. for sure totally and and probably more weighted in the in the you know the, the person who you know, you got a good personality you you know you uh, there must be blasting
1: around here yeah huh? there are there yeah. well, with all the construction going on right now we've got it's so funny in in the 3 years that Bryce and I have been here at the studio you know because I started in 2015 right at the start of the year i think we've had 7 buildings go up around wow. us wow yeah so that the blasting that you just heard was uh that's been pretty common, actually. Yeah. Um, this has par- been a part of life. Uh, for a
0: while, for a since while, we've yeah. been here, basically. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy because Nashville is such an under-total, under, under total, such an aggressive expansion. But yeah, there's like across the street over here that um, lofts, those yeah. buildings. That used to be well, that a, was parking like a parking lot, lot wasn't <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah, it was awful. That's where everybody – yeah, really, really dirty, yeah, gravel, yeah.
1: dirt uh, – parking lot but i remember when i first moved to town going to demumbrian for shows or just to go meet up with friends there you know everyone parked there yeah but it was yeah. you know you better hope that it's not raining because that right. was yeah a, it a was, nightmare. Oh, <laughs> yeah it was awful
0: yeah it's hilarious um and i think they've got plans to all that strip there that has all those those bars and restaurants and stuff aren't they gonna do something with that they're gonna tear it down and
1: build another high that's rise the rumor or I, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised you know pretty much everything is yeah. uh is uh seems like that's the way or the the evolution yeah in town hotels and high rises man it's getting like <laughs> yeah. super urban in nashville oh it's yeah nuts
0: man yeah but cool so cool man so um so yeah so the tracking room so how did you i think you know um it's been a little while but you know we grabbed coffee one time and i think you know i asked you about how you landed here and everything but i'd I love to um, hear that story again for the podcast and just kind of talk about you know how you landed here and and because you're the you you're the general
1: manager uh studio uh, manager okay. yeah studio yeah, manager. yeah yeah when I was hired and this is this is amazing and, and just uh an accolade to my boss uh David Haskell who's president of Morris who owns the studio mm-hmm. you know when he hired me he said run this like it's your own studio cool you know obviously if we have things that we want to see done we'll we'll let you know, but this is, this is your thing. Yeah. Make it work. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's really awesome, but at the same time it can be really, really sort scary. Yeah. 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 Right. But it's, it's gone really well, but, um, you know, I've, I grew up playing music. I think like a lot of us, I, I got into, I started playing music cause I wanted to be a rock star. I still do maybe one of these days, you yeah. know, maybe sure. that will happen. secretly. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. But, um, I really started to develop a love for recording and and kind of writing my own music and writing with friends and and getting that into some sort of format that you could turn around and then listen to and I just became obsessed with that kind of process Mm -hmm. and um I ended up going to I'm originally from Kansas City Missouri Mm -hmm. and ended up going out to the west coast to to study undergrad um I got a degree in mechanical engineering of all things okay kind of random but um somehow also works for the music industry and some Uh certain you know troubleshooting and things like that sure yeah yeah um while i was out there i just really became obsessed you know i'd I'd buy books on on how midi works so i'd buy Uh books on you know strictly just on microphones or just on how a mixing console works. So yeah, I'd pull up manuals for gear that I enjoyed using, and would read the manual and try to learn more secrets. And yeah, um, really got involved with the recording scene out there, and uh, came became really good friends with a producer who's now uh, living up in the Bay Area. Okay, but um, you know, just tried to find as many outlets as I could. Yeah, and San Diego's not really you don't really hear about it for being a recording hub. Yeah, right. And so uh I ended up – I'd spent time in L.A., and I like visiting L.A., but I, I don't think I'd be very happy living mm-hmm. there. Sure. So I ended up uh, going to grad school at MTSU. I really wanted to kind of bridge that gap between large format studio, large commercial studio, like here at the Tracking Room, versus – the small home project studios yeah. that I'd worked in. Right. You know, I definitely had a gap in my knowledge base. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I felt that the fastest way that I could close that gap was to go back to school. Uh-huh. And so um, while I was in school, kind of after six months of getting settled in, you know, living in Murfreesboro, which I don't recommend to anybody <laughs> if you're not from there, um, or if you don't mind the 45-minute the – drive back and forth from the city yeah um uh once I kind of got settled down there I really made an effort to get up into Nashville and start meeting as many people as I could and, and just saying yes to any gig that came my uh-huh. way and you know it, um, I went to one of those conferences back um AES used to have like a mix Or Mix Magazine and AES used to put on something called Mix Nashville or Nashville Mix Fest or something like that. They haven't done it in a while. But um, one of my, who's now become one of my good friends, was the keynote speaker, John Shermer, who was working with Keb Moe at the time. They were the keynote speakers. And for some reason, after their talk and after they spent a couple hours talking about their process and... Producing and John's relationship to Keb and kind of all the things that he mm-hmm. did, I just said, you know, I'm those guys are really interesting. I think I'm going to go introduce myself and just see if I can help them with something. Yeah. really I really connected with what they said. And this was
0: you were st- you were still in school at the time, or you just finished, or you're still in school? Okay, okay. Yeah,
1: still in school. And this was probably the the spring after I'd moved here, and so spring of 2011. Um, I had uh gone up and talked to john afterwards and introduced myself and said hey if you guys ever need any help with anything you know give me a call i'd love to go have lunch you know i'm I'm happy to help in any way that i can and um he said yeah man just here's my email here's my contact mm-hmm. you know hit me up we'll, we'll figure out a time and so uh, i spent the next like nine to ten months playing email tag with uh uh-huh. with john and, and he was busy i mean he was on the road with kev they were in the studio back and forth so like we kept saying like hey let's meet up let's go grab lunch let's do this and um you know really it's just um, a month would go by I hadn't heard from him I'd shoot him an email yeah then he'd get back to me a couple weeks later and yeah uh finally one day I sent him an email and he called me up that day Mm -hmm. and I thought he was gonna be like hey let's go Tomorrow's the day, well, let's go grab lunch. Yeah. And he's like, hey man, I need someone to come help me assist in my studio tomorrow. Can you can you be there killer. at eight? And he's like, yeah, man, I'm I'm there. Like killer. You, you know, I'm happy to do whatever you need. Yeah. And, um, you know, I was really just going in as basically a a helping hand, as, yeah. the, as the runner the gopher. Yeah. Um, helped a little bit with the microphone setup and, yeah. and assistant engineering, but it was mostly as they just need someone just in case someone needs something outside of the studio. Yeah. And, you know, I'd done some internships and done some things. So I knew, like, what to expect as far as the etiquette and, you know, the things that would be my responsibility. But mm-hmm. um, I really just did the best job that I could. And um, John was really pleased with it. And he ended up calling me again and again. Mm-hmm. And and, um, this, and that, that, this was at, like, their his studio yeah keb keb has a a studio in his house down in a beautiful studio down in his basement of his his house and um so that's you know that's another kind of great thing they were inviting me into their yeah to their personal space and um you know so even then it's like i need to make sure i do even better job because this is their home and this is where you know they're most comfortable so i want to make sure i'm not screwing anything up yeah sure and uh so anyways john started calling me more and more and then that kind of turned into i was the guy when their normal person the you know the normal assistant was unavailable i was the next call and so i ended up getting to go on a couple tours with them Cool, small you know week-long tours what what what, what
0: was uh the tour was it were you doing sort of like general kind of like assisting on it? on tour or are you kind of running some sound and stuff like that Yeah, or?
1: basically just as an a2 or a, a stage hand really cool you know as um still as kind of john's assistant but um you know like we did a couple acoustic dates here and there and you know it was uh it was a great experience got to see the touring world yeah but again a lot of that was came from that one really back to that conference of me making the initiative of of going up and then following through. Yeah. Um and then John ended up getting hired at our current company Morris, and so he'd call me for gigs and different things and um you know, again I always said yes. It, it didn't matter what it was. Yeah. I I knew that I could at the very least fake it long enough until someone someone got wind of it or figured out yeah. in the time that they sure. would figure out that I you know, didn't really know what I was doing, but um yeah, so then the uh John was working at the studio and or excuse me at at Morris, our parent company, production sound and lighting. Okay,
0: yeah, I was going to ask. I, I I've forgotten kind of what Morris is, but it's a it's a more of like live production uh outf- Yeah, outfit sort of. Yeah, so yeah.
1: so Dale Morris who is a, a big name in Nashville, you know, he owns about half of Nashville. Mhm. Um really really great guy. He was Alabama's manager mm. back from the start. And um, while he was working with them, he started this lighting and sound company called Morris. And they do live concert production and yeah. lighting. So if you've ever been to a Kenny Chesney concert, you've seen Morris's production rig. Cool. Or they do a lot of other great events. Like they did all of the the lighting and production for the nhl all-star week Mm -hmm. so like that ice skating rink all the lights everything else that they had um they do a lot of work with bridgestone arena i mean it's kind of all over the board but if you've you've spent any time in nashville in the last 10 years you've you've come across yeah a morris produced so so
0: it's 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 like lighting do they do sort of like sound reinforcement is it mostly on like lighting that they sound sound and lighting
1: um and then they have a great uh, integrations department that does, that goes and installs systems in facilities. So okay. and you might have a church that needs a new yeah. audio rig or something. So they do they do a really great job of of designing that, selling them the products, installing it. You know, kind of a full service yeah uh, scenario there. But. Um, so anyway, so John John was working at Morris, and he called me up one day. At the time, I was teaching at a couple of the local colleges around Nashville. Mm-hmm. I was playing bass for an artist doing the Weekend Warrior thing. Mm-hmm. It was kind of taken – again, at that point, I was kind of bouncing from gig to gig. Yeah. And you know, he said, what are you doing? Um, we've got this opening – at the studio that we think you'd be a good fit for. We'd love for you to come interview if you're interested. And, you know, I moved to town to work in a studio. That's why Yeah, I came to Nashville. Right. So to me, like that was the best call I'd ever, yeah. I'd ever gotten in yeah, a long yeah, time, yeah, yeah. you know? So, um, came in, did the interview, uh, had the fewest number of hangups of any of the other people that they interviewed and, cool. uh, ended up getting hired. Cool. And, um, I think it helped that I'm, you know, I'm single, I live a mile from the studio. Uh-huh. Sure. Uh, you know, don't have any real responsibilities except for being here every day. Yeah. So, um that definitely helped, but uh yeah, and it was, you know, it was kind of scary when I got hired cuz had never managed a studio before. Yeah, I'd never worked really on the the business side of things in the in the industry, and so uh for me to take on that role, like I there was a lot of learning for me to do as well and um, it was kind of the other thing that was that was uh kind of funny it's funny now, I think because it's it's gone well so far and on mm-hmm. the wood but um, when my boss called me the first time he said hey we we're gonna we're gonna if you're still interested in the job, we'd like you to you know to be the manager, we're gonna give you the first shot and so when he said that, you know on the one hand, it's like, oh man, they must you know they must either have really high expectations." Or like this must be a really tough job, yeah. or yeah, yeah, like that's kind of one of those like yeah. motivating, but also really scary, yeah, yeah intimidating yeah, yeah. phrases or or, um, or conversations. But um, I took it more as a you know let's I took it more as a challenge, you know, like sure this is something that you are capable of doing. And you can do a good job at it. Just you just have to make sure that you put your your nose to the grindstone yeah. and focus and and. um yeah. So it's been, it's been good. So that was three years ago Cool. and it's gone by super fast. So yeah. I mean, I like can't that. believe that I'm coming up on starting year four in you know, yeah. about a month. That's killer, man. Yeah.
0: Well, that's awesome, man. And it's no, you know, when, if uh, for people who may not be familiar with the tracking room and it is a premiere, I mean, if you make music on your computer, if you mix, you know, like if you've got a, you know, I'm always telling people if you have one of those convolution reverb plugins, then you know about the track room because it's it one of these rooms. Isn't it? It's like that yeah, stone room over there. Yeah. Is so sampled.
1: Yeah. So in um, I think a lot of them. I think um, the Waves IRL, I think that's their yeah. reverb. That it has a couple of the impulse responses, and then um, the one that we always like or that I really like using is Altiverb. Yeah, and it's got and it too. It, right? It's got it's yeah. Got so the, it has that main room there. Does it has the it? main yeah. room. It has the stone room or rock room, depending on what genre of music you're recording. And then it has the piano room, too. Okay. And so it's actually kind of, I feel like I'm cheating because, you know, like I obviously have the real thing here at my disposal, but if I'm at home mixing. Yeah. And they're like, oh man, I really need just a little more rock room. Yeah, I can pull that up. And, yeah, you know and Honestly, it sounds pretty close. They did. They so did a pretty I have good to job. Ask,
0: have you ever something that you've recorded here? Maybe you've recorded in the main room and the or the, the the rock room, and then taking it elsewhere to sort of like take it home to mix. And you're working on. Have you ever gone? You know what? I'm gonna put that more of it like you pull up the reverb despite the fact that you actually recorded it in that room I and mean, you've ever done anything yeah, like that and, yeah that, okay that's what i was that's what yeah. i was saying so okay. like
1: i feel like i'm cheating when i do yeah. that that's hilarious. even though even though i've got the yeah i've got the space here to be able to do that at any point yeah. you know but um that's that's it's awesome. like i mean that means i've got to drive in my car yeah. a mile <laughs> and i've got to set up microphones when man. i can just you know pull up yeah pull up this plugin yeah. and then that way I don't have to get dressed. I can keep mixing in my underwear, right, exactly. you know, which, which we all do. We yeah, know yeah,
0: we all totally, do that. Totally, man. Um, every day, man, I'm, I'm in my pajamas working on, first thing I do is get up, walk into the next room and start working on something. I'm just in my pajamas or whatever. Hey, it's, it's the yeah. struggle, you know, the yeah, struggle totally, man. real. Yeah. I'll do this post-production in my pajamas more than likely, <laughs> but, but, uh, but yeah, so, 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 you know, chances are if you've been, if you've, you know, got a home recording rig, you know, or you or you have checked out any number of recording websites or magazines in the last, whatever, 20 years or something, then you're familiar with the tracking room in this space. And it's definitely one of the more well-known, world-class places uh, that you can come record, like anywhere, you know, and much less like in Nashville, but anywhere. So for that to be, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you're getting this gig that's pretty intimidating because I walk into this place. I mean, you know, it's a it's a full on. I mean, you guys have recorded like big symphony orchestras here, right? You've recorded like all kinds of stuff here and like big projects, big name stuff. Oh yeah, it's got a long history. The place itself is just very expansive. Very, I mean, it's it's a it's a high end place. And so suddenly now you go from you know we're coming up and then boom, you're getting asked, hey, why don't you? you're going to be good at this. Come over here and manage this place, you yeah. know, not just be like a staff engineer or something, but manage the whole place, like take responsibility for the whole place. That's, that's an intimidating thing, man. That's, that's yeah. huge. So it's yeah. like,
1: it's like, you know, instead of just getting thrown in the deep end, it's like taking a little prop plane out to the middle of nowhere and dropping in the middle of the Pacific ocean, yeah. you know, cause it's, uh, that's kind of what it felt like at, at first. I mean, I, again, I, I did a lot of research, To make sure I knew what I was getting myself into, but um, what I didn't know at the time was that the studio was in kind of a trend of down years. I Mm -hmm. mean, they had uh, the the place had kind of gone into disrepair, and Mm -hmm. you know, previous management was was had a terrible reputation around town, Mm -hmm. and um, you know, kind of one of those things people just stopped working here. They'd come in and gear wouldn't be working, and no one would. Get it fixed, yeah. or, or take the effort yeah. to get it fixed. And so, um, I didn't know that going into the job at how much of an uphill battle that would be. Mm. In addition, so you know, after the first couple months of working here and kind of hearing the murmurs around town of or telling people like, "Hey, I got, I got this job." Yeah, and like, oh, and you know, they'd always kind of yeah, look kinda, at you kind of funny right. or something. And so, you know, coming into that, that definitely added an additional kind of rung to the ladder of yeah man, we've really got a, a lot of work to do yeah. here. Yeah. But um luckily, like I'd said Morris, that was the first time when they hired me that they were officially taking over the studio as a division of their company. And yeah. so, you know, going into it having that backing and having that support system has made such a huge difference. Yeah. And um it's it's been amazing being able to work with a, a great company like that, and and having them as our kind of our resource, or our main resource, if we you know need something, sure. or if something's going down, right. or, or whatever the case may be. Um, but yeah, man, the, this is one of the most beautiful studios, yeah, I've, I've ever been in, and yeah, um, I always tell people that you know we kind of the theme of the studio, in my opinion, is that there's options for any kind of audio flavor or audio taste yeah. that you might have. So if you want, you know, something big and expansive, you've got the stone room that you can yeah. record drums in or if you want something really close and intimate, you've got these great isolation booths that mm-hmm. we have. Um I feel like the two things that we do better than any other studio in the world is drums and piano. Cool. And or at least acoustic drums. You know, I feel like they there's something about them here that they're yeah. they're close but they're open. Cool. You know, so yeah. you don't feel you don't feel – they're not so, like, scientific or so sterile. Yeah. But they're also very natural sounding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, the piano room, as you know, was, in my opinion – or at least in my opinion, is one of the the best piano rooms in the world. Yeah. Um, a good example, uh, Bless the Broken Road by Rascal Flatts uh-huh. was done on that piano. Cool. Um Shania Twain's Come On Over was done there. Cool. That just celebrated its 20th anniversary this month. Cool. And you know, it's still the... I think it's still the highest-selling country album of all time. That's killer, yeah. Yeah, so that was done right here in the studio. But um, that room, anyways, they built it basically as an extension of the piano itself. So, okay. you know, It's oh, anchored cool. by a, a okay. Yamaha C7. And then the room itself is actually pretty cool. Uh, Tom Hidley, who designed the space built in a natural 600 hertz bump oh that's into the room so so the resonant frequency the whole room is 600 hertz it's got a yeah like it's basically like if you were to take your eq put it on your put it on your favorite daw take a little you know a wide q at 600 and turn it up a couple db that's what the room does naturally okay and they they designed it like that that's interesting that's pretty cool yeah that's awesome. Yeah. Man. So he, I guess, in his research, he found that that was kind of the magic frequency for pianos. Yeah, and, cool. And so interesting. Yeah, and so you know, if you ever get the chance to come record piano here, to me, it's the it's the best in town. Yeah, and I, and I'm not just saying that because I work here. Obviously, I have yeah. a vested interest in sure, booking sure. the space. Yeah. But uh, from a from a musical perspective, and from a just a fan of recording studios, I I haven't heard a better sounding piano room.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. And the place too is just, you know, like the room that we're sitting in now, you say iso rooms. And 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 it's funny cuz like like this the room that we're in right now cuz it's a you would it's considered an iso room at this studio, right? <laughs> yeah. But it's bigger than most tracking rooms, you know what yeah. I mean? Like to be honest, it's bigger than most tracking rooms. Yeah. You know. Um there's some world-class studios that I've worked in that don't have tracking rooms this big. Oh know? yeah. Um so it's there's a lot of space here. Uh, it's yeah, funny to the, inter-
1: to the interwebs out there. This room that we're sitting in right now is is like thirty by twenty. Um, so I mean that gives you an idea of yeah kind of how large it is. And then
0: how tall would you say that 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 uh, the ceiling? I mean, it's, uh, that's, uh,
1: fifteen to twenty feet. Yeah. probably fifteen. I know um, when they built the because this had been a this had been a a factory before it was a studio. Oh, okay, they used to make. Car uh cartridge cases here. Oh yeah, I remember so, you had told me that. Yeah, there was. And a, when was that? Was that would have that been would have been set late seventies okay. and eighties. Okay. Um, so there was a company called Carlo Sound that was here, and they built road cases and yeah. you know put cases together for companies. Basically, a touring company, very similar to kind of what Morris does in some capacities. Yeah. Um, but they um they ended up selling the building. Or Dale, I guess Dale Morris had owned the building at the time, and then Glenn Meadows, you know, who's a legend and Mm -hmm. great engineer, great mastering engineer, had the the vision and the dream to build what you see now. Cool. So this was his brainchild, basically. Yeah. Um, Sort of
0: like the modern day, almost like it's like because you've got um Chet Atkins history and all that and the big RCA Studio A room's huge room you know and that vision is it's almost like kind of a something maybe in that kind of end of the of the spectrum or something like that another sort of like more modern kind of like version of that perhaps
1: yeah you know what's uh, what's strange is, is thinking that this place has been here for over 20 years Yeah. and it, it makes me wonder like when does the when does the legendary status become, is that 30 years or yeah. right. 25, you know, yeah, because yeah, yeah. like it's it, everyone that we talk to is like, Oh yeah, they just built that place. So it's like, wait a minute. That was, you know, 95 or 96 when, when this place opened. Yeah. So it's been here for, for a decent amount of time. And then yeah. you start thinking about all the records that were done here and all the artists that have recorded here at some point or another, it actually has a pretty storied history. Yeah, totally. And it's it's getting to the point of like, at what point are we on that same... Yeah, for, for sure, because so, who? some of those artists, I mean, like so, some of those people,
0: if you want to name yeah, some of those yeah. folks. Yeah, so
1: um, Shania Twain, Rascal Flatts, Megadeth, James Taylor, Allison Krauss, U2. I mean, the, the list is, is pretty yeah. substantial. Taylor yeah. Swift, um, Deep Purple, we did a record with them a few months ago. And uh, you know, so it's like every the who's who of, of yeah. the music world yeah. has has been here at some point. Totally,
0: listers yeah. Oh yeah, that's killer. Where do you guys normally, as far as drums? Where do you guys? Is there when you track drums? Do you use? Do you find that you use the Stone
1: Room a lot, or do you? It really depends on the on the engineer and the project. Yeah. We um, I'm a big I'm a big firm believer of you know you you choose the right tools for the vision yeah. of the song or the album or whatever that is and sometimes that means the stone room Yeah, you, know, you know they yeah. originally built the stone room as a drum room like yeah. that was the right that was the um the goal for that but um that was also at the time when drums had that huge kind of stadium sound right and, yeah and everything and, and country music was uh you know sounded like Arthur Brook so it sounded yeah. like it was done in a big right. huge stadium yeah. or arena or something um now a lot of times i think what we find what what tends to be more traditional or or what tends to be the norm is that people will put the drums somewhere in the main mm-hmm. tracking space in the main tracking room and then they'll uh throw up a couple mics in the stone room okay so we'll leave the door open obviously gotcha. to the stone room and let the sound kind of flow in there and, yeah. and, um, you know, put up a lot of times the, the, R- the AEA R88 is real popular in there. Okay. Cause it's a real natural sounding mic. It's already in stereo. So you only have to set up yeah one mic as right. opposed to two. Yeah. Um, that tends to be kind of the, the, the norm, but we've done, you know, a few projects where it made sense to set up a drum kit in there. Yeah. And, and um, you definitely have to think about how you're going to mic it and how you're going to capture it and what's the yeah. most important elements because, as you know, when you're recording in a space that's really reverberant, you get married to the sound of the room. Yeah. But um, if anybody's anybody's interested in hearing The Stone Room, a couple of great records to check out is one, Shania Twain's Come On Over. Mm-hmm. Um, they had, I think, the drums up on a riser. Okay. I think that was um, kind of Mutt's um favorite approach and okay. then another great one if you want a different style of music is Megadeth's Cryptic Writings. Okay. That yeah, album... I was going to ask
0: you which one was it that that they when the I kind of I used to, actually funny enough when I was in uh I don't know if it was like middle school or whatever but I was for a minute I was like kind of a Megadeth as we all were darker. as we all were yeah yeah <laughs> but I think I after what was that one album countdown to extinction I sort of dropped off and kind of like you know I didn't follow them anymore but uh gotcha. I guess that one was after that huh Writings yeah Writers I think probably. I think cryptic
1: yeah. writings and risk were done here okay if I if, I hope I'm not getting my facts crossed up, but um, those two were were done here, and um, you know it's uh, again a, a great. The first song on the record starts out with big drums. You know, just uh-huh. all it is is drums and yeah. guitars and bass. Yeah, and so we we like to actually demonstrate that when we bring that's cool people in. You know, hey, hey, if you want to hear drums in the in the stone room, check out this song. Yeah. Um, so that's been that's been really cool to have like specific examples of what that would be like. Right. Um, who do, who engineered that record? Do you know who who tracked that? I don't know who engineered yeah. it. I know Dan Huff produced it. Okay. Um, I should know who that was. Um, I'll have to I, look I, that I up. Yeah, that, that'd be a fact to look. Yeah, up. that's um actually you know because um because
0: uh, Dave Mustaine now, I got it's like he lives here now. I don't know if he's part time or full time, but his daughter's like working. Uh, she's a songwriter, country—I uh, guess a country music artist—out of Nashville now. And then, and then, and then, uh, I guess it was Megadeth. Just this last Grammy season, they won a Grammy. I think that was her first Grammy. Wow. I think. Yeah. So it'd be interesting. Just—I to, I don't know. Like you know, just to kind of because that that camp, they're kind of around town, but. Just kind of reach out to them and just kind of dig up some of those facts. Oh that's, yeah, that's an interesting sort of piece of of uh, sort
1: of rock and roll history or whatever. And that's been um, that's been kind of the fun. I think one of the the best aspects or best perks of this job is that we've had so many great people coming through the doors. Yeah, that not only are they working on really exciting projects, but you know we have a couple people that have come in and said, "I used to be." A house engineer here i used uh-huh. to worked here as an yeah. assistant for yeah. for five years and and they're filling in kind of some of the gaps that yeah that we don't have in our history and you know we don't really have really good records of or archives of, of yeah. what's been done here you know we've kind of the like i said before morris took over there was kind of things done pretty haphazardly sure. and yeah and there was no real kind of system of, of figuring out hey who was here right so that's been kind of fun of of learning like, hey, we did this record here, or we yeah. did this here, or, um, hearing stories like, Hey, remember that time we cut such and such here? Uh-huh. Um But uh it's been it's been a lot of fun or, or like, you know, Taylor Swift's one of our clients and she did a a Grammy event here. You might have I don't know if you were that, at that one. No, but,
0: you know, I, I, yeah, I, I wasn't able to get to that. was like, was that like, a, like, was that two years ago? Like a ago? year ago, I a think. Year ago? Yeah, I just, I remember that, but I wasn't able to get here. Yeah, Gotcha.
1: Well, she, one of the cool things with that, and we had no idea about this, but, um, she was, you know, she did kind of, uh, an in-studio, um, kind of behind the scenes of her 1989 record, which mm-hmm. was really, really great, really informative. Um, but kind of towards the end of that, towards the end of that, seminar towards the end of that event, she had played a video of her first, like, recording session uh-huh. of, like, a demo session or something that she was doing, and it showed her pulling up to the tracking room and coming in and doing yeah. her session here. Cool. It, was, it was amazing to yeah. see, you know, it's like, uh as much as we, you know, we get to work with the top artists in the world, we also cater to, you know, up-and-coming artists and people that have never put anything out. Sure. And so... You know, I think that's been, aside from learning those great stories, it's been really cool to see people come in here and and get their start here at the tracking room or or do their first record here. And, um, you know, I think that's something that um, has been great for the music industry is that it's kind of democratized these studios. Whereas when I was a kid, I wouldn't have been able to come into a place like this. Um, But now, you know, someone who would have been in my shoes back then – can call us up and you know, there's a chance that we might be able to work something out sure. and, and yeah. get somebody in here. So, um, so that's been really cool. But, uh, yeah, catering to the, to the A-list celebs is always fun. And I feel like, you know, we, we get access to, to a part of their lives that the public doesn't get to see. Yeah. And, and, and I think, um, you know, obviously you have to be professional and, and you're here to work, but, um, it's really cool to, be in those kind of low pressure situations yeah, and yeah. be able to be able to have a conversation with somebody that you know maybe it's music related maybe it's something completely yeah, different totally or yeah. um you know um
0: just like to have the have the moment where you get to just relate like human to human, you know, yeah. just, just relate and then get to share the experience of like, well, us just like make some music together. You yeah, know? for sure. And those are fun moments, you know, when mm-hmm. you're getting to, you're getting to do that with whoever it is, but mm-hmm. yeah, there's something, sometimes there is, there are those kind of like surreal moments where I'm like, yeah, I'm like sitting here just like hanging with so-and-so and making music. I'm like what, you know, that's, that's a, that's a cool thing. So you, um, we're probably kind of getting sort of close to the end, but I, I do want to ask before we have to totally, totally wrap everything up, you know, your philosophy on, because, you know, coming up the way that you did and then you're, and then you're, you're working here at this world-class place, you know, and there is some big name people that you've work, gotten to work with here and there's a history of that, but then you're also talking about these up and comers and, and wanting to be able to work with that. And then the folks that, um, at Morris being like, you know, run this place like it's your place, you know, and so on the modern recordist, that's, that's one of the things I like to spotlight is this idea of like where we are in the modern age of recording, you know, because, because there's sometimes where you're working in a place like this, but then sometimes when you're working just, you know, at your home, you know, whether it's just a little riding nook at your house or whether you have, you know, more of a, uh you know, because like I have a studio, it's sort of a more of a built out place. It's more mm-hmm. of a legit kind of a studio. We have a console, we have some gear, but I also have a writing nook at my house. And I, you know, I record stuff that gets on a record there. I'll I'll do some mix work there, you know, mm-hmm. and and, and, it, and it's stuff that'll get put out. And I've worked with other people that work in various scenarios. So I'm just interested in, you know, your take on, the, on, on sort of like modern recording and your experiences in those kind of that conglomerate sort of like where we are, you know, because of the way that technology allows for us to be able to do a lot. Like you can have that reverb, you know, that, that convolution reverb that has the stone room and you can track in the stone room, go home and go, you know what? I want more stone room on there. And you can put that on there. You know, there's so many different permutations of things you can do. And I'd love to hear kind of like your experiences in that, your philosophy, your kind of like, uh, uh, just day to day of making music that way, and 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 you know your your specific perspective on. You're a guy who's managing a world class place, but you know you're you're making records like we all make records, mm-hmm. you know. So what's that kind of when you run the studio? Uh, and they say you know kind of like run it like it's your place. And I know that you are you work with. You know, a lot of different types of artists here, indie artists, local artists, up and comers, all kinds of different people. And y- y- that's important to you. You know, we've mm-hmm. had conversations about how that's important. And I think that's really cool because that's important to me, too. You know, uh, what is your philosophy of that and your approach, you know, as, as a as a person who's managing a place like this, but kind of managing it? You get the freedom to manage it like it's
1: your place, you know, like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's uh tackle that in, in a couple different ways. Um first of all the state of the industry is in a place right now where I think it's it's should be a positive outlook. You know, we we've gone through a lot of down years, probably close to 20 years of mm-hmm. of down um, sales and studios closing and technology becoming cheaper and cheaper for people yeah. to to do the stuff at home or do it at their, you know, on their laptop or on their iPhone even or yeah. or whatever that looks like. And I think we're really close to finding that happy medium to where the the market in Nashville is not oversaturated with studios. Mm-hmm. It probably will be if it starts to get better like I, I think it will. Um, but what you what I've tended to see in the last kind of five years or so is that the the project studios and the home studios are like the personal spaces of or personal studios of engineers and producers Mm -hmm. are doing really fine. And then the big-time studios that have some sort of financial backing or some sort of support system are doing fine. The studios that really took a hit in the last few years are the kind of those mid-level studios. Mm -hmm. Because what's happened is at a studio like ours, we've had to lower our prices to be able to fill the space and, and cover our costs. And that's kind of undercut some of those... Mid-range studios mm-hmm. that you know yeah. you've seen close down on right. on Music Row, and and you hate to see anybody go under. You know, it's, yeah, we we want our friends across the street to to do just as well as we do. Um, but the studio world is a tough business. You know, yeah. it's a it's a 50-year-old business model. I mean, this yeah. is this is not. There's nothing really new and and really exciting in terms of how the business is done. It's it's been done like this for a number of years. And so trying to adapt to the current trends and the current things that are going on, you know, what we tend to see now is that we'll get a, a record for maybe three days out of the month-long process. Uh-huh. And so, you know, trying to figure out how to fill the room when, you know, obviously there's a ton of music being made, probably more than than any, any time in history. Um, how do we take a piece of of that puzzle and how do we convince people that a place like this is needed yeah to to get those great sounds and get the real stone room on your record, not yeah. just a, a plug in. Yeah. Which, you know, the plug in sounds great, but it, it doesn't sound as good as the real thing. Right. Yeah. Um you know, so it's it's trying to kind of figure that out and um you know it's uh it's kind of exciting but but kind of scary in the in the same regard. Yeah. But, um, you know, when people come in here, we want them to have the best experience they've ever had recording, you know, we want yeah. them to be able to walk in, start working right away. And we want them to leave and say, you know, that's, I've never had as as sure. good an experience. Yeah. Something's never sounded as good as it did yeah, there. Yeah. And, you know, that's, um, I've got to give a ton of props to my staff and, and Bryce, as I mentioned earlier, he does in my opinion, he's the best assistant in town and, you know, on his way to being one of the best engineers mm-hmm. in town. Um, and then I've got a great staff of, of assistants and, and interns that, mm-hmm. you know, do a really, really good job. And we run pretty lean here, you know, if it's just me and Bryce full time, and then we've got a staff of maybe three or four assistants that will come in and help with, with setups Yeah, and, you know, no more than usually two or three at a time. And so, really thinking about a, a sixty five hundred square foot space being run by two or three people at yeah. a time is yeah yeah is kind of kind of crazy too yeah, but yeah um yeah, I mean I think uh I think overall the outlook in the music industry is positive, I think you're gonna see studios uh coming back and and really what i I think what I forgot to mention is that uh the reason you pay for a studio like this and the reason you come into a place like this is it frees up time on the back end mm. and so you know in a place like this where you're able to really dial in your drum tones or really figure out you know or get a great piano sound where you don't have to go back and do any additional mixing yeah. or any additional processing like to me that's really important yeah and until you get to experience it you don't know what the value of that right. is yeah that's a good point yeah um so that's kind of my spiel from a, a studio management perspective and a business side of things from a producer side of things and in, in an engineering side of things. As far as an artist goes, I just want to work with artists that are genuine. Mm-hmm. You know, I want people that are they know who they are as an artist. They know what they want or maybe they don't know what they want, but they have an idea of who they think they are. Yeah. You know, they're really tapped into their inspirations and their influences. Mm-hmm. and and if they're a songwriter they they know kind of what mind frame they were in mm-hmm. or headspace they were in when they wrote their song um what i what i one of the things i think that really surprised me about nashville was how many people follow the trends mm. and so uh, a perfect example of that would be when i first moved to town in 2010 the all the bands like you'd go to New Faces night at the basement or mm-hmm. or 8 on 8 off 8th on at uh Mercy Lounge. Yeah, yeah. You know, you'd go to those events and 7 out of the 8 bands all sounded like The Black Keys yeah, or yeah. Kings of Leon or a combination of right, those two. yeah, yeah. And then within 2 to 3 years all of those exact same bands we're now wearing the funny hats and flannel, yeah, and they all sounded like Mumford and Sons and the Lumineers, right, 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 and you know now all those same bands, if they're still around, are going towards the kind of the soul pop movement, yeah, and so um what it really kind of instilled in me is that there's it's really hard to find artists that are genuine and doing what they feel is their artistry, you know, yeah. And, And, um, and that's not a knock on any of those bands. Those bands were trailblazers, you know, it's like Mumford and Sons were kind of the, at least the ones that made the biggest splash in the Americana new folk movement. And, you know, that was their artistry and they, they rocked it. And so convincing kind of an artist that, you know, following those trends is, is a big mistake. I feel like is one of kind of going back to the convincing people that, you know, if you just follow your own artistry, you stay the course, and you you just keep being who you are and keep doing yeah. what you do. That other people will take notice, but they're they're gonna notice even more and probably shun you even more if you're like, hey, I'm I want to sound like what's current and what's hip right yeah. now.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's there's a quote that comes to mind. I cannot remember exactly, like it's right on the tip of my brain, but it's basically the idea that. When you follow the trends like that, you essentially just make yourself invisible. I mean, you know, like yeah. because you just kind of fall into the mix of it, and and it's those people who are sort of these outliers, these sort of these re- uh, re- rebels or or whatever the word would be that kind of like that that, that stand out, do something kind of goofy or against the norm or mm-hmm. whatever that kind of like stand out and and you know, kind of more or less sort of like take a risk. I guess, kind of an artistic risk or something, you know, uh, those are the people that, I mean, that, that's, you have to be a risk taker as a creative. I mean, you have to, you have to, I mean, it, and that's the whole thing is like, just because you do step out like that, like, it's no guarantee that it will work. Right. But you know, that if you're going to just play the trends, it's not, it's not going to work. I mean, you know, because there's already, there's too many people doing that thing. You're just going to sort of blend in. And the best case scenario is that maybe you sort of get some sort of notice, right? But in terms of actually being a long term plan, I don't really see that being a, a a viable method. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I think
1: a good way a good way to kind of judge if the trend is on the way out or if it's on the downslope is once major label acts start taking up those recording and those production trends and those stylistic trends. That's a time to, that's actually, you're probably too late at that point, but mm. that's a time to change your course and find something new, or stick to the course that you, you know, were originally doing. And yeah. so, um, you know, it's, it's taking risks for sure, but I also think it's, it's taking the risk of knowing who you are and really, really accepting that as an artist or as a musician and making that the kind of making that the the goal and I feel like that's that can be really tough for people to do when you see you know all the people that are making or being successful with their current trends or their mm-hmm. artistry you know it's it you want to kind of gravitate towards that right but i would i would challenge that and say that you're going to be more successful if you if you stick with what you are and what you do and you just do that to the best that you can that again, people are going to start noticing you, yeah. If you're, you know, out there hustling and doing the, the things that you got to do to, to get that notice, sure, but, yeah. But you know what I, what I love is when I hear a new artist and I say, I don't know, I can't figure out who this sounds like, as opposed to the yeah. ones where I hear something's like, oh, this just sounds like another, right, country artist X Y Z, yeah, sure, you know, so, totally,
0: yeah. I have this little, this little catchphrase that i i don't know just sort of like came up with but just this idea of like it's like i'm like oh this is yeah me too music you know what i mean like it's just like you hear on the radio it's like yeah me too i mean you know what i mean it's just like this is xyz this is just this thing over here it's just repackaged or whatever but yeah it's difficult man it's difficult and there's a process for figuring it out i mean you know there's this um this guy ira glass that 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 um this american life uh Mm -hmm. npr um Anyway, Ira Glass has this awesome video talking about taste, Mm -hmm. you know, and that, like, when you're first starting out as a creative, it's like, you might have great taste, but your execution of of your ideas, just, they're kind of falling short of what you would like them to be. Mm -hmm. But it's just knowing, cool, like, your taste is on point, I'm just, I gotta figure out how to sort of, like, shape this into a final thing, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? But that's, I mean that's the age old that's I think that is it I think that's artistry you know it's that process and then constantly just sort of like always not becoming complacent but always willing to go okay I'm gonna you know that uh, it worked last time but you know I'm not gonna necessarily just I'm not gonna become complacent I'm gonna keep pushing forward kind of like trying to innovate challenge but always holding on to that that essence of what you are and have you know that taste that you have you know what I mean but I think it's a process you know, yeah. yeah, as
1: you know it's a it's a marathon, it's not a sprint, totally, and I think um, I mean, going back to previous our previous story and conversation, you know, it took me four and a half years in Nashville, not even counting the the four or five years I spent before that, so a good ten years to land you know a job here at the yeah, studio, right, and same goes for engineering and producing, you know you keep getting better and better every day and and doing the best that you can. And remember that every time you put out a new project either for yourself or with an artist, I just look at that that's just a progress check. Right. That's just where am I right now at this point in my career, this point in my artistry. Yeah. All it is is that's a snapshot of who you are right now or who you were when you recorded that yeah. that record and so um you know, keep keep working hard, keep getting better, keep learning, I think finding good sources to keep learning, that's always Yeah really important study things that aren't related to music find a hobby outside of yeah outside of the world i'm a big baseball fan that's kind of my escape from from music so i'm kind of struggling right now because there's no baseball yeah yeah right right um but yeah man it's it's you know it's great as you know this is the best industry that you could be in but uh it's just keep keep working hard and be patient be passionate be persistent and it'll it'll happen killer man awesome
0: man well that's uh probably a good way to to end it because you know we've had this we've uh, had a good long conversation here these always go by really really quickly Yeah, that was too fast yeah man God. but uh, hey dude it was awesome getting to, to do this and and you you know it's been it's been great getting to um you know continually just be able to find reasons to hang out with you you've always been really open with this place you know we did that event like a month and a half ago here which was which was awesome and it's just it's always fun to get to hang with you man and of get course. to just like have a conversation with you i've really enjoyed um kind of building this this friendship with you and uh, this is a super high quality conversation, so thanks for coming on and sharing all that. And uh, of course, come yeah, back anytime. You, awesome, you're man. welcome here anytime. Killer man. Yeah, we'll definitely have to find some things to do. and We'll have to um, continue to find a reason to have you back on because this is a, this was a great conversation, man. Cool. Uh, before we uh, before we completely wrap it up, what's the best place for people to, to, to follow up with you, find out more about the tracking room, websites, emails, whatever you 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 do to to kind of promote or you know, uh connect with people.
1: Yeah, the uh the best spot is uh the dot com. You can find us on the World Wide Web there. Uh we're on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Uh they're unfortunately they're not all consistent in terms of the handle on each of those, but if you search the tracking room you'll see a big beautiful picture of of the space. That's that's probably us. Cool. Um but yeah, we're on all those all those resources. Follow us. We'd love to hear from you. You know, we'd love to help you out with your next project. Uh, come by, give us a call if you want to see a, a tour of the place. Assuming we're not uh, working that day or we don't have a client in, you know, we're happy to show you around. So uh, definitely check it out. Hit me up on on Facebook or. Um, my contact information is on our website shoot me an email cool I'm, I'm always happy to, to talk shop or answer any questions that people may killer.
0: have killer and we will uh, we'll, I'll follow up with you I'll make sure that we can put those proper links in the show notes and everything so, perfect uh, so that'll be there so make sure you check out the show notes you can get all those links and everything awesome man thanks Great. again and uh, yeah man that's a wrap Till next time thanks next John time. cheers All right, all you artistic visionaries and creative music makers, there's another episode of The Modern Recordist for you. Thanks for hanging out week after week and giving us a reason to produce these shows, connect with other visionaries, and allowing me to get to spend time doing something I enjoy getting to do. Hey, make sure you get subscribed and stay subscribed to The Modern Recordist. And you can do that on iTunes or Stitcher. So fire up your podcasting app of choice. Search for The Modern Recordist and click or tap the subscribe button there. While there, do make sure you leave a rating and review. Good and honest ratings and reviews clue others into the value you're getting out of listening to The Modern Recordist. And helps us to continue to produce shows with awesome guests that you enjoy hearing from. Also make sure you head over to our all new website that we launched in early October and sign up for the email list using any of the forms you will find all over the site. This way we can keep you up on all the latest and greatest that has to do with the modern recordist. And this includes tipping you off to any key episodes that may be of particular interest to you, cluing you in on recording techniques or songwriting tips or discussions on creativity and even giving you a heads up on some of the special things that we're aiming to put together in the near future okay i'm going to head out and put some more time in on a music composition project i'm currently working on see what kind of weird synth textures i can dial up that's it for this week there's more for you next week and in the meantime go live your life of an extraordinary artistic visionary and create music that impacts the world